This is a Rooster Teeth production. For centuries, there have been stories of a giant ape-like creature seen around the United States whose existence remains a hot topic of debate. Today, we discuss the stories, theories, and rumors surrounding the most popular cryptid of all time, Bigfoot. This is Red Web. Oh, crack my knuckles, stretch my arms. I'm excited for another cryptid. I'm Trevor Collins. With me is Alfredo Diaz. Oh, yeah. And uh, oh, yeah. no real gut check on this one. I mean, we're just diving in. Yeah, I mean, whoo. You were talking about it, and I was like, I think I, I think he's going to say the, the big B word. Yeah, bazooka. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, Bigfoot had a bazooka. <laughs> oh. Terrifying. Terrifying. Bigfoot with a bazooka. <laughs> what? It's like, why do you have that? Yeah, but you know, th- we're diving back into the cryptids. Everybody listening, you guys really resonated with the Mothman episode. Really appreciate the feedback on that one because that was our first foray into a slightly different realm from where we've been on Red Web. And I'm happy to hear you guys were excited about it. So we're, we're diving back into a couple, well, I guess right now, into Bigfoot. And really excited about it. So we're going to talk about the description of Bigfoot. I'm sure many, many people know about this one, but the description. And then we're going to go into some of the close encounters that people have had, as well as some of the research that has followed up on those encounters. And as always, we'll close out with some major theories. But I do want to start with a bit of a gut check. I'm afraid of where are you at on the on the scale of of Bigfoot? Um, How are you feeling on it? So the thing is, I've, all, I've known of Bigfoot through, like many, just like pop culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the interesting thing for me with this episode is going to be like, what's the actual nitty gritty of it, right? Yeah. Like, where's Bigfoot located? Uh, what is the, uh, what's the evidence? Um, all that kind of stuff. Just like non-film type of like info. Right. Let's get those geo coordinates. Let's get those descriptors. Let's get that photographic evidence. Oh yeah. yeah but yeah. Bigfoot, you know, he hails a little bit, you know, close to your neighborhood where, where you grew up, right? Oh, you were you were in North California. You know, Bigfoot tends to be from the Pacific Northwest, so there are sightings in the Northern California area. So I was going to yeah. say, hey, maybe you, uh, maybe you've seen him. Maybe Bro. you just don't remember. You wiped your memory. Bigfoot don't want to come around where I was raised. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Big, Run, Bigfoot. About to get jumped. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, you got to protect Bigfoot. Get that man a bazooka. And you know what? He's a, he's a gentle giant with, with a bazooka. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, you got a bazooka. No one's going to mess with you. It's true. But all right. Let's dive in. Let's talk about the description of Bigfoot, a.k.a. Sasquatch. So like I said, Sasquatches and Bigfoot are kind of synonymous. The, the names refer very much to the same stories, to the same creatures. But the name Sasquatch, unlike Bigfoot, and we'll get into the etymology of the name Bigfoot, but Sasquatch originates from the Halcomelum Saskek and Salish Seskak, which roughly translate to wild men. J.W. Burns used the word in his articles recounting stories of the creature from the Stiles people. So there is a bit of a history with sightings of this creature. Now, the creature is said to be anywhere from six to nine feet tall. So we're talking a big boy. I mean, I mean, big on the uh, 
Uh, the latter, the on former. On the human <laughs> scale, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like six, what if it was six to nine? What if they were just six foot tall? But yeah, you know what? If they're just six foot tall, then I'm like, dude, I want to be friends with you. You're like, you're exactly yeah. on my on my level. You know, <laughs> put my average. arm around you, you know, feel good. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. You're like the same size as me. And it's covered in hair that is either black, brown, or reddish brown. Different encounters with different descriptors. People often describe its palms and its feet as a lighter color as well. And the alleged footprints left by this creature measure upwards of 24 inches long and eight feet, eight feet wide. No, eight inches wide. So, <laughs> like, could you imagine? What? <laughs> I was like, Dan, that's something about Bigfoot. Um, I don't know if that's real or not. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> All right, we're leaving that in. The, the the what's interesting about the footprints though which are eight inches wide not eight feet they show evidence of scarring which would be something that you wouldn't necessarily think of if you were to fake this creature and they their big toe is aligned with the other ones which is very similar to that of a human rather than that of other apes it's it makes me think also that the scarring could be from obviously walking around in nature barefooted or perhaps they use their feet as their primary defense mechanism i don't really know but I have a funny image now of a Bigfoot jumping back on its hands, running at you on its hands, feet out, <laughs> yeah. coming at you, toes wiggling. Now that's going to scare you. Now the top of their head has been described as crested. And for kind of like a mental image, it, it kind of is reminiscent of that of, of a male gorilla. Uh, the, the Bigfoot has also been seen with large eyes and a pronounced brow. And their eyes are also said to have reflective properties, that they would reflect light much like a cat or an owl if you see them in the night. People who have been near a Bigfoot also recount that they have a foul smell, which, come on, let's not pass judgment. These these are giant, you know, mm. human-ish creatures out there covered in head to toe and hair. They don't have access to showers, maybe. Maybe they do. We, I don't know. We don't know. We don't know. We don't. We, you know, look, I don't venture that far into the woods. Okay. But, I mean, if I was in the woods for a week, you know, I'd reek. Yeah, I'd be stinky. Yeah. But what's interesting, and, and this is something I hadn't really quite heard of, is that some Bigfoot believers say that they communicate through patterned knocking, like knocking on rocks and logs to create a way of communicating. But they also howl and screech and whistle to do the same thing. So there's a lot of that's there, there's an implied intelligence there, which I think is both unsettling, but also very fascinating. That just sounds like a I don't know to me. Mm -hmm. Just from what I'm feeling here, if that's how they communicate, how do we not just have evidence of knocking? Right. You know, if they're knocking and banging on things to communicate, then they, they're probably heard from a great distance or a decent right, yeah. amount. And then at that point, especially nowadays, why doesn't someone just whip out a phone? Just go, hey, I'm hearing this weird knocking Whip sound. out a phone. I'm, I, that's what I'm saying. You know, everyone's got a computer in their pocket with a nice HD quality camera in there. Let's like, let's just you and I and the task force just get out there, you know, spend a couple nights yeah. in the woods, you know, yeah, and I'll be in the, I'll be in the secure van. Yeah. You'll be right in front human shield style. You'll be carrying that phone. You'll oh, like human shield. Oh, that's what we'll see. That's yeah. Well, I did. I, oh, I meant it. I meant it the wrong way. I meant the, I meant the brave leader. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> but no, you're right. Like if they're howling and screeching and whistling and banging, you know, you, you would think that you would have more evidence in that regard. And I, and I don't, not to get ahead of ourselves, but I don't know of a lot of popular encounters that, that kind of focus in on that stuff. But it, but is it, it is interesting, though. I think the takeaway really is the, the communication, the, the intelligence therein. But also, 
It is believed that they have unexplained structures that they make from twigs that are twisted together, tree limbs, tufts of hair, things of that nature, and they believe that these are created by Bigfoot. In fact, a group of folks from Washington that study Bigfoot, this group is called the Olympic Project, they believe these structures could be nests. This is where maybe Bigfoot creates its habitat, or this is where it kind of gets shelter, because clearly, uh, you know, this, this entity needs to live somewhere. But if it's just like, what? They're, I mean, they're acting like they got a whole neighborhood going on, <laughs> right? Like, like big, like Sasquatches and Bigfoot, like they got a hood and it's just like, how, <laughs> then how we, we not seen them or have any type of, why is it that every time someone has some type of quote unquote evidence of, uh -huh. of a Sasquatch, yep. it's, the, it's like the grainiest terror, like most right. terrible quality of anything. Right. You're like, okay, there's like, you know, a plaster of a footprint, you know, and again, we'll get into all this other stuff, but like, yeah, I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there. I think you're already broadcasting it, but like, I'm really fascinated by the idea of a Yeti or a Sasquatch. In fact, I did a report. I had to memorize like a three page report back in sixth grade and uh, all about the Yeti. So I've did this. I've been there. It's very fascinating, but I, I just can't help but think like this is a big a big creature, you know, it, where's it at? Where are you hiding? And we'll kind of get into that, but that's always been what's been on the back of my mind. When I, when I hear these stories, I'm like, how do you hide something like that? You know, especially if there's more than one, like I said, a society of them, you know, the, uh, what is it? The Academy or whatever that studies Bigfoot. Like, where is this hood at? Like <laughs> the Academy, what, what are you talking We're about? We're Bigfoot people. <laughs> They flash a badge. It's just hair on a wallet. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. Dude, maybe that's their jurisdiction. Like, the task Ooh. force is, uh, you know what I mean? That's where you get in. Task force goes out into the forest, starts doing our investigating, and all of a sudden, you know, crossing jurisdictions in here. Yeah. And the academy comes going, whoa, 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 whoa. This is our turf. Yeah, we just disappear overnight. No one ever knew. I mean, I think you need a permit to get up in their area, but... I don't, I don't like know. to think our task force is stronger than that. <laughs> yeah, you know, probably. I, I think if you took every single uh, Bigfoot believer, you know, the active researchers and piled them all into a group, I think the task force could, you know, outnumber and outmuscle. Yeah. Yeah. Ten to one. <laughs> uh, the North American Bigfoot is primarily seen in the Pacific Northwest, like I mentioned earlier, but there have also been sightings reported in every state in the United States. Just makes me think of my old stomping grounds in Indiana. I'm just picturing a Bigfoot. Listen, it's a very flat state. There's some forest down south, but where I'm from, it's flat. It's cornfields as far as you can see. And I'm just picturing this tall thing poking its head up out of the fields, stomping through the corn. It's just a it's a goofy image. I don't know what this creature would be doing out there. You know, maybe he's just trying to, like, diversify his his food intake. Maybe try to get some corn over here, walk his way back, get some Idaho potatoes, then head back up into Canada. But I don't know. It's, you know, it's it's a cultural phenomenon, at least the fact that every single state has claimed to see this creature getting around like that. <laughs> I <laughs> love it. The, this man, the, come on. I, I was sitting here <laughs> thinking like, all right, here we go. Like now I'm going to get some type of like, I don't know, maybe some, some anything. Now it's like Bigfoot's traveling. 
Bigfoot's on vacation. <laughs> what? He's getting frequent flyer miles. He's out here stomping around. What in the hell are we talking about? This is the most incredulous episode I think we've had. And I'm, I'm here for it. What? You know, sometimes you just got to lay it out on the table. Yeah, I mean, it's being laid out all right. <laughs> I do just want to say it's worth noting the idea is that Bigfoot is a species and not a singular creature. That's true. Yeah, that's the thing, too, right? Like, you're, you're talking, we're talking about, like, Sasquatches. Uh, and I'm just like, all right, now this is just ridiculous. Like, it's just a family <laughs> traveling and no one's seen them. <laughs> okay, okay. For the sake of comedy, I love the idea of a singular Bigfoot or a Bigfoot family. You know, Mrs. Mr. and Mrs. Bigfoot walking around with their kids, traveling the states, sightseeing and everything. But it's true. They're considered Bigfoot is a species. Bigfoot is the plural for it's not big feet, I don't believe. But, you know, so they could, yes, uh, spread out and live, habitate across many states but for the comedy of it i do like the image of it being one single like mr bigfoot walking around mr foot mr foot and and frequently these sightings of this creature tend to be at night leading many to believe that bigfoot are in fact nocturnal unlike that of many other ape species who tend to be awake in the day and sleep at night now what's also interesting and what actually to me historically builds a little bit on this story is that there are many other parts of the world that have descriptions and sightings of a very similar creature. Now, this isn't necessarily physical evidence, but it does fit the history of human beings and the way we spread around the globe as we know it to this day. So to me, there is something to this. For example, in the, go ahead. <laughs> I'm just saying, as if it's going to get more, even more ridiculous. So you're telling me Bigfoot's out here like Pitbull, Mr. Worldwide, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Just like traveling the globe. Yeah, man. He's gotta, he's, okay, no, he's not traveling the globe. Okay, there are other species. <laughs> no, I get what you're saying, but just to me, it's just one Bigfoot traveling You know, John the Idaho isn't Alfredo Diaz, you know? And Bob England isn't also Alfredo Diaz. To me, it's just one, one Bigfoot just traveling around. <laughs> You know, he's like, I'm just picturing now like a real stealth uh, Bigfoot. He's hunched down. He's looking around. He's like, all right, now. And he and his family skirt across the docks as they dive into the nearest cruise ship. (laughs) And then like they kind of just hunker down in the bottom near the uh, near the engines and the furnaces and stuff. They're like, all right, just lay low, lay low. You know, we brought our foodstuffs and they're, you know, they're eating whatever they eat. And then they make their way to (laughs) Australia and they're like, boom, family vacation. We're out here now. Globe trotters, man. That's okay. You know they're getting around. They they're seeing the sights. I'm just I'm just loving this because. <laughs> All right. You know what if what if Bigfoot were a species of prankster, right? That they're actually much more intelligent than we are. Maybe they got some sort of like hollow earth base. They're living deep under our feet. They got you Damn. know you guys get the surface, we get everything inside. The volume of the earth vastly outnumbers the surface area of the planet. So they've got like. All these machines, maybe they got, I don't know, futuristic flying machines. Like maybe these are the folks that were from Atlantis and they come up every now and then they pop up onto the surface and they'll be like, I'm going to take off my clothes and I'm going to streak in the woods and then I'm going to get one of these hikers to be like, there he is. Oh my and then, God. Big and then I'm going to teleport back and I'm going to get him. And I'm going to make news. Super advanced. And then Mr. And Mrs. Bigfoot, you know, they crinkle the newspaper, they put it down. Uh, you know, Papa looks over his 
his glasses and says, son, you did it again, didn't you? You went up <laughs> yeah. to the surface. You're embarrassing me. You're embarrassing and, your family and our name. Kind. Your feet aren't nearly big enough to be leaving evidence <laughs> like that. I know the hierarchy is based on how big the foot is. <laughs> but let's dive back in. Let's dive back into the global, the global stories, all right? So in the Himalayas, as I kind of touched on before, there is what is known as the Yeti, another hairy ape-like creature that resides up into the mountains. In Indonesia, they have the Ebu Gogo, which is physically very similar, but it's noted to be much quicker, like a fast runner and has its own language. In Australia, they are known as the Yowie, and they are also described as a large ape-like creature, with some accounts describing them as shy, while other accounts are calling them more aggressive. Which makes sense, you know, they okay. got a lot of aggressive creatures over there, but All then right. you got things like the Huntsman Spider, it looks terrifying, but it's also oh. quite quite shy, quite chill. But so terrifying. It's but so terrifying. To me, still very terrifying, yes. But ultimately, it's theorized that all of these creatures are the same or at least similar species to one another. And that maybe over time that they have traveled around the world and had slow evolutions that kind of just changed physical features, but they are in fact the same kind of species, much like humans, really. But that's kind of the download of all we know physically about the Bigfoot, because without any further evidence, you know, that's that's all we're going to have. But let's dive into the encounters. Let's dive into some of these mid-century stories of people that have seen this creature in action. So long before this creature was known as Bigfoot, there were sightings and stories of a very similar creature in the Pacific Northwest. The Lummi have stories that describe Semekwes, which is a very similar creature to Bigfoot. There were stories that spread in the area of Mount St. Helens about skookums, which were characterized as much more dangerous and even cannibalistic. In addition to the stories of the skookum, there was a violent altercation in 1924 with miners that apparently got into a scuffle with what they called as an ape man. That's all they, that's all they knew what to call it as. Hmm. This led to that area becoming known as Ape Canyon. And you know, this raises an interesting theory in my mind. If we haven't found any evidence of these creatures outside of footprints and maybe some hair or whatever, maybe they're, maybe they're lodgings. Maybe they're just eating each other all the way down to the bone. Maybe they're just like, oh. they eat each other whole. Oh, that's interesting. Just gobble them up, just digest the bones, nothing to see here. Damn. I mean, that's pretty brutal. Where are the droppings though? Like, well, that just turns into dirt. I mean, mm. but let's be real. If you're walking in the woods and you see a pile, are you going to be like, let's test this for Bigfoot? Or are you just going to be like, eh, don't step in it? Well, I mean, the Academy, right? <laughs> the Academy. <laughs> <laughs> the Olympic project? <laughs> oh, is that the, uh, I keep calling them the Academy. Uh, <laughs> well, I like that name. I'm going to phone them up. We and rewrote be like, it. You guys, yeah. you guys need a name change. The, the Pacific Academy. Academy. Yeah, I mean, like, I'll, I'll, you know what? I, any feek, any feces that I find just laying about, I'm going to get I'm going to bag up, tag up, and send up and be like, Academy, phone me up when you find something. Like, let me know what you get you out know. of this. Give me partial credit here. They're going to get a lot of human and dog feces. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The same year that that altercation went down with what could be the skookum, lumberjack Albert Ostman was in British Columbia on vacation. While he was sleeping, a Sasquatch kidnapped him. What? what? <laughs> I'm trying to stay with a straight face here, but 
Whether it's true or not, it's still a bit of a chuckle here. He was carried in his sleeping bag. Like a man traveling with a bag on a stick, Bigfoot swept him up in the sleeping bag, carried him within that for three hours, brought Ostman to its family of three more creatures, and they fed him what he described as sweet-tasting grass. And then Ostman, in turn, fed the largest one, the largest creature there, some smokeless tobacco, which made it sleepy, which allowed him to escape and be able to tell this story to this day. I'm picking up on some generosity here. I think these are little sweet beans. Might be a bit strange to be abducted in the night, but like, you're taking me to your place, you're, you're letting me meet your family, I'm eating some sweet grass. What a story. It's a very interesting story. Huh. But I feel like, you know, personally, maybe this is fueled by this ape man altercation from earlier that year. It's hard to know. Very I'm much like the Mothman stories, right? Swoop them up and took them and fed them. For three hours. <laughs> How do you know to get back? How, where are you? But also, like, what? If they're like, an ad- if they are advanced, mm-hmm. what, what, what was the point of that? It's true. If they are advanced, why? Yeah. But I mean, like, you know, we, we, you could also then say, like, it's interesting that none of these uh, sleeping bag scoop ups happened now that people have cell phones. But I will we will kind of address some of these uh, the other stances in the theories. There are some interesting counterpoints as to where some of these Bigfoot theorists kind of land and, and, and why they think that, you know, anyway, there's some there's some interesting counterpoints and we'll, we'll talk about those later. Okay. But. In 1941 now, so this is almost two decades later, around 3 p.m. in the afternoon, Jeannie Chapman's son frantically told her that a cow was running out of the woods near Ruby Creek in California. So Jeannie then went outside to say, okay, what's going on? She quickly saw what she thought was a bear, and she realized that it was actually a large, hairy man, or at least that's how she described it. This creature was covered in brown hair, and the skin on its hands and face were dark. As the man came closer to her and her children at the cabin, she told her son to get a blanket and hide himself and the siblings behind it. So now, like, they're not just sitting under it in the house. They're basically backing out of the house. The son is holding up a blanket so as to kind of just block all of them, I think, except for the mother. Because Jeannie was assuming that whoever this creature was, whatever, whatever it was after, that it might be after her kids. So her instinct is, hey, I gotta protect my kids. What? So they they back out of the house, they back out of sight, they kind of stay away. Bigfoot's after kids? Maybe. I think that's this a, is just motherly instinct. That's an interesting assumption. I think I would just try to get out of there, you know? Yeah, I mean, I would just assume, like, either has wants nothing to do with us or everything yeah. to do with all of us. Not just, like, oh, that big hairy man, he's here for the kids. Right. It's not Slender Man. Yeah. But also, when you think about it, you think about a lion coming after a uh, gazelle... They're not necessarily going for the biggest and strongest. They're going for whichever one looks the smallest or looks True. the weakest or falls out. And so, you know, if this if this entity's coming up out of the woods and is big, you know, can be mistaken for a cow or a bear or something, you know, you're probably not going to want to tussle with it. And it probably knows I can nab that little creature right. and knock this, like, medium-sized creature out of the way. So that's probably where she was at. She's like, yeah. listen, let's just put you behind this blanket. Let's back over here. Get out of the way. And then she describes this creature as entering the house, kind of fiddling around, making a mess, and taking things from their home. The Chapmans then stayed outside. They watched it move into a storage unit that they had where the food was kept. And what's interesting is that this shed, this storage unit, 
was reinforced to be bear-proof. So I don't know how this creature busted its way in. In oh. fact, you know, if it was a bear and maybe the, the bear-proofing, the, the reinforcement wasn't strong enough, I don't know. But eventually Jeannie's husband got back home. About two hours later, I'm assuming returning from work just based on this being towards the end of the day, and he said he saw huge human-like footprints outside the cabin. Man, um... So, I mean, I don't think that this was, you know, I don't believe it. Uh, <laughs> but so to me, it's just like either this person really made it up or they trash their own house to, you know, yeah, follow along with the story. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. And I think the point to really grab onto here, regardless of how real or not real it is, is that this is probably one of the first instances where we're hearing somebody say, I thought it was a bear. And then it actually, they then said, nah, no, it was probably a Bigfoot of some sort. Normally it's the other way around where someone's like, I think I saw Bigfoot. And then people come forward and say, well, maybe it was a bear, maybe. So this almost lends credence to the story, but almost lends credence to the story of it actually then being a bear or, or something outside of the human-like footprints. Yeah. But it's, but it's interesting, but it's just hard to take a story like this at face value it really when is. the proof is so limited, when it's all hearsay. You know, again, it reminds me of a lot of those word of mouth stories about Mothman. Yep. And how much can you believe it? How much of it is hype? And, you know. Yeah. Or maybe it was just like they did see a bear, then they told the story and someone else took it and misconstrued it and went crazy with the, with the tale. Mm hmm. Man, I just need some. I need something other than I saw this and then this happened and that's, you know, take my word for it. Yeah. Well, in 1958, society's getting more advanced. Technology's coming along. We might be able to investigate a little bit more. 1958, Jerry Crew found large footprints in Bluff Creek, California, believed it to be from Sasquatch. So he then created molds of the print which you, you know, you would pour plaster into these traditionally. You'd wait for them to dry, pull them out. Now you have essentially a mold of what that footprint looked like. And there's many of such molds, not only from this time, but from recent time. Anyway, the Humboldt Times wrote about this instance. And the newspaper and the locals called whatever it was that made this footprint, they called it Bigfoot. And the story spread from there. However, it turned out that the footprints were actually a hoax created by another local named Ray Wallace. But that wasn't revealed until 2002 after his passing, unfortunately. His families contacted the press to inform them of the hoax, but by that time, the story had obviously spread too far. And this is one of the reasons why people think that the name Bigfoot has been so popularized. They think that this article is what popularized it. Man, that's what I'm saying. I feel like it was just like something that was, you know, maybe it was a bear that made a big old print and it just came out weird due to like weather conditions or whatever. Mm -hmm. And someone took that and ran with it. So this kind of like lines up with the what my thinking of the origin of Bigfoot is. It's just, you know, uh, someone made something up and you know, it's spread like wildfire. Yeah, I mean, it's it's simple enough. You know, whether whether this particular instance is related or not to all the other stories, this Ray Wallace character generated a large foot imprint of some sort, stamped it into the ground, somebody else came along, and immediately you're going, holy crap, that is a huge human footprint. And and so whether it was a prank to be like, wow, there's a big guy walking around, or there there is a creature walking around, 
it's hard to say, but it doesn't do anything. I mean, at the time, it substantiated the story and added to its momentum. And that's worth acknowledging. But it wasn't until 2002 that the rug was pulled out from that story saying, no, this was definitely a hoax. So you almost have to like, the, the damage is almost done as far as building oh, yeah. the momentum for, for it, you know, having people believe it and stuff. But you almost have to like really take this story and say, all right, you need to really suppress some of your preconceived notions about this creature. Cause like this, this is a, this is a hoax. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. Like that. I, I, I subscribe to that. I believe that hundred percent. Um, it was, just, it was a hoax and it just caught like wildfire and it wasn't until like you were saying um way later after said person started the hoax uh that the information was made public Mm-hmm. makes me think of all the other pranks that are going on in the world that are just like really vanilla kind of like this one that are just you know they, they you know on their own they're pretty innocuous pretty innocent but then like every now and then one of these pranks just kind of hooks somebody in just the right way fits in just nicely with an existing story or a cryptid or something and then just explodes and i'm sure this ray wallace guy was laughing all the way to the grave but uh Dude, could you imagine interesting interesting you know he's letting scientists like study this and then he's <laughs> like ah you know you, you'll figure it out he's <laughs> like i think they'll get it and then like years later they're still not getting it <laughs> oh man but this this leads us up to probably the most famous encounter ever of the Bigfoot, which is in 1963, again in Northern California. I'm just gonna cut to the chase. This is where the videotape that I'm sure everybody listening to has at least seen a screenshot from, right? The, the video of Bigfoot looking back over his shoulder, walking, palms facing backwards, kind of a little hunched over and walking amongst the trees. Very famous videotape. Now, while riding on horseback along Bluff Creek, Roger Patterson and Bob Gimlin came across a large overturned tree. They said that the roots of this tree were as big as a room, basically meaning something enormous or something strong ripped this thing out of the ground. Behind a log jam, they saw a hairy ape-like figure around seven feet tall, if not taller, crouching by the water. Patterson got out his camera and went after the creature while Gimlin got his gun. Patterson followed this creature as it walked away from them, and it turned back several times looking at them before finally disappearing into the trees. They later tracked the Bigfoot and created plasters of the footprints that they found. Their footage is spread nationwide, and it's become known as the Patterson-Gimlin footage. And so like I said, this is the most well-known source of imagery for the Bigfoot. And it is it has gone under so much scrutiny. Uh, so many people think it substantiate the idea of a Bigfoot, and so many people believe that this is a gentleman in a suit. And to all the way, like I remember watching a Discovery Channel docu-series or whatever, like there was, they found a guy and they're like, this is the guy that was in the suit. He claims he was in the suit. He, and he actually had a very similar posture and walking style to this entity. And so it was very interesting. What? I mean, but if the person saw the footage, right? They could just mimic it. That is true. I feel like I could mimic it. I feel like pop culture has mimicked this the movement of oh, this yeah. Bigfoot so many times. That's so a great many. point. What are you trying to say? You trying to say that this is real? You trying to say that this guy wasn't faking it? I'm trying to say this guy was faking it, but it's not necessarily real. He's faking the fake. Real. Whoa. Yeah. Double, double fake out. Oh, <laughs> it's a fake of a fake. But yeah, if I mean, if I told you to do the Bigfoot walk, like you, you would throw one together. Oh, yeah. I mean, Easy. that tends to be how I walk around my house anyway, because no one can see me. <laughs> <laughs> 
But let's dive into the studies. Uh, you know, this is, you know, the most exciting part of many of our mysteries is diving into the nitty gritty, entering the lab and saying like, all right, let's get into this evidence. Let's really pull this apart and analyze it pragmatically through the lens of science. Many have claimed to find Bigfoot evidence like hairs and droppings, but most have been found to be hoaxes. So that is worth noting. But in 2008, now a lot of the research is coming in recent years, but if you didn't notice, a lot of the stories actually came from decades ago, which I find very interesting. It makes me think that Bigfoot was very much in the zeitgeist of its time, of a generation really, and of, of a more exploratory, a more outdoorsy person in the Pacific Northwest. Obviously there are still sightings to this day, but, but the more notable ones certainly stem from the past, and a lot of the research has been done recently. So there is a possibility for there to be evidence interference, I guess, as, uh. you know, whatever people are finding, if footage, anything from the past tries to make its way to the present, you know, there's degradation, there's, yep. you know, all this sort of stuff. But anyway, in 2008, Rick Dyer and Matthew Witten posted a YouTube video claiming to have found the body of Bigfoot in San Antonio, just nearby, actually, to where, to where we're recording this podcast. The body was purchased, okay, do you want to guess how much this company, what? Searching for Bigfoot Incorporated, is the entity that bought this body? Guess how much they paid for this body. No way. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ten I'm bucks? Um, no, I'm assuming it's... <laughs> wait, what year? Uh, 2008. Ooh. Uh, maybe like 50 grand or something. Woo! You nailed it! Did I? Man, that means... You know what? That means they got a deal. That, that sounds like market value. For a for a Yeti, excuse me, a Bigfoot body, they paid they paid fifty thousand dollars for this body. Oh damn! I nailed it. <laughs> you nailed it. Yeah. But also, what? Well, let me let me surprise you real 50 quick. Grand. When, yeah. Now this will blow your pants off. When they received the body in the freezer, it turned out to be fake. Come on, you're telling me that you didn't go to see the goods? I mean, right? You dropped fifty thou on a Come wire. You probably on. paid fees and everything. These boys skipped town, and they're they're giggling Come their little hearts on. off. And you, you you didn't even oh, didn't even ask for a photo, maybe. But yeah, no, the body turned out to be fake. But despite very little recognition in the scientific community, some research and DNA testing has still been done to try to discover the truth of Bigfoot. Now, I mentioned this previous story because there's a lot of hoaxes along the way. A lot of you know, and let's just take the side that this is a real creature, a real species that this is a creature that's out there. These hoaxes are just getting in the way of actually figuring out what's going on, but I can't help but notice how often the ratio to, this is a believed sighting and something happened here, the ratio of that to hoax, proven hoax, is like 50-50, at least. Really? I mean, just from the ones we've outlined, at least. Like, it could be higher, I'm sure it's higher. Yeah. But that, I think, to me, says a lot about, you know, about what we're dealing with here. Everyone out here, creating all of these hoax are just muddying the waters stop it that way when something pops up we have a better chance of taking it seriously you really mm -hmm. want to find bigfoot you know what i'm saying everyone's out here so desperate to make bigfoot a thing to make bigfoot real that they're just hurting themselves yeah well you know what i, I actually have a business proposition for you now and it's it's starting a company it's going to be called Selling Bigfoot Incorporated. And I figure, you know, we, we might pull in a pretty healthy salary if we sell at least one of these bodies a year. You Dude, know, I'm I'm in. I'm all in. 
I also 50 grand. 50 grand? 50 grand for a Bigfoot body. Mm-hmm. Didn't even check it. Didn't check you it. Gotta be kidding me. Right. Can, is there a return policy? Christian, I would actually love to know, not, not on the return policy part, but what was this body? What did show up in the freezer, if we know at all? Just found out it was a rubber ape costume. It was a rubber ape costume. Wow. It wasn't even meat in there. Wow. They're like, wow, this freezer's awful warm. I hope the body's not decomposing. It's just a rubber ape costume. Imagine, though, imagine the accuracy. Imagine the detail of a $50,000 ape suit, though. (laughs) Like, was it a terrible photo? Like... It's just probably like a pile of hair that, you know, maybe a pillow stuffed into like the suit a little bit to add some volume. Like, I don't know, Christian, if we have a photo of this and it sounds like it's a YouTube video, so maybe we can like pull this up and take a look. But, oh, it's on Snopes. Okay. Oh, now that's interesting. I mean, okay. You know, it's not bad. Uh, I definitely, I definitely would look a lot closer before spending 50 grand on this, but you know. Yeah. I mean, it's a, yeah. I mean, that doesn't look like an ape costume to me. That looks like a Bigfoot costume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't I know. Mean, you know, <sighs> you know. I can see. I can see how someone might have been. Look, you know, peak my interest, but fifty damn grand. Yeah, that's you know, that's a good amount. I and you have to think, how'd they arrive at fifty? Was there anyone else bidding for this? Like, you really should have thought about lowballing. Start at low. You know, like five hundred, five hundred and ten like dollars. That's true. <laughs> right, like. How, how do you know the market's that high? Right. And like, and even in 2008, you can kind of reverse image search. Maybe you end up at Party City and you see the same picture and you're like, whoa, this is a costume. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It was probably just a costume from like Amazon or something. Yeah. Damn, they got got big time. They got swindled, man. But back to some of the research, okay? In, in 2014... The University of Oxford and Lausanne's Cantonal Museum of Zoology did genetic testing on 30 hairs that they believed to be from Bigfoot or Yetis. All but two of the hairs were identified to be from known animals, one of which was actually human. Many casts have been made of supposed Bigfoot prints that have been studied and collected. Jeffrey Meldrum, who is an anthropology and human anatomy professor at Idaho State University, actually studies these casts extensively. Some of the cast suggest that the creature who made these prints was running or had turned their back while walking, both of which would be very hard to fake. And regarding some of the running prints specifically, Meldrum said that it would be very hard to fake without some sort of device, like a cable-loaded flexible toes, he said. So that would have to be a very complex and advanced suit in order to fake, kind of toes digging in and having individual movement between each of them versus what you would expect out of a costume, for example. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, people got the time, you know? You could, I don't know, maybe uh, some type of ladder, anchor it over or something, or tie a rope across a couple trees and then drop the, you know, gently drop and roll the foot. I I guess what he's saying is, like, the way that the toes and foot articulate, and and they're telling that by by the way the impression is probably torquing and has different pressures in different spots by way of depth. I'm just guessing here, but he's using his expertise in this realm to say, like, listen, unless you're unless you're coming up with a really advanced suit to make those toes articulate, you're not getting a footprint like this. And then I start to wonder, you know, you say someone if they've got time and I I tend to agree with you here. 
But if someone's got time, I don't think that they're making a suit. Like, like I, I imagine a Tony Stark, like, instead of making Iron Man, he's making the world's most advanced Bigfoot suit to just perpetuate <laughs> a lie, you know? That'd be wild. I mean, maybe just people just want to get, uh, I don't know, want recognition, want to get famous. That's true. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Want to be the ones that, like, submit, you know? Exactly. They, like, they could have their name in a book. They could they could sell these plaster yeah. castings and be like, look, I'm rich now. Because, after all, someone sold a suit, remember, for 50 grand. So Out for the fame. There's, yeah, there's something here. You know, there's ulterior motive here. But after viewing the Patterson-Gimlin footage that we discussed earlier, Meldrum also claimed that it was very unlikely that the Bigfoot scene in the video was a person wearing a suit because there were very obvious and visible muscle movements under the skin. Like you would see, you know, if someone was moving their arms and you saw their back, you would see a very natural muscle movement underneath the skin and you'd see muscle gliding a little bit under that. And to try to replicate that through a suit would be very difficult to capture or emulate, especially for the 60s. And so this is another reason why this individual is like, hey, I, I'm looking at the evidence, the limited evidence that we have, and I have to claim that, I have to say that there's something here for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, I really don't have too much to say about that one. You know, I mean, these are experts. Have um, you seen the, the footage? Uh, God, maybe ages ago. Yeah, let's let's pull that up. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull that up, and I and then we can take a look here. We'll use our keen eyes to try to uh, to try to dive in and see what we're seeing here. I mean, the shakiness is a little. I mean, like that's just natural, right? There's no image stabilization on this basic camera. It's an old film camera, but like I remember watching this when I was a kid, and it's like, regardless of how you feel, it's very spooky. I mean, like especially since it's like low frame rate, shaky and stuff. Eventually it does stabilize and you're like, whoa, but it's just like kind of just sends chills down my spine regardless. Oh, we got a better shot in the second half. Oh yeah. They get you in the second half for sure. And then they speed it up to try to make it, you know, look a little bit more natural or, you know, maybe to try to emulate real speed. And at that point it definitely, you know, definitely does look like just a guy taking a stroll. That but looks like a guy taking a stroll in a suit. That's true, but I mean, that's what they're saying that this creature does. He strolls about. He's he's tall. I keep saying he. The, the species is tall. They, they walk around on two feet. I mean, who knows? That is creepy as hell. They might just look like us when they walk. I don't know. It is it, Regardless, like you said, it is creepy. It is very unsettling. It is creepy. I, if, I, like, uh, if I was in the woods and I saw that, there's two things. That's either a Bigfoot and I need to get the heck out of there. Or two... That's a man in a suit, and I need to get the heck out of there. Yeah, either way, you don't want to be there. <laughs> yeah. Real or fake. Right. That person's going to murder you just to prove Bigfoot's real. Yeah, or or you it's an unhinged man in a suit, and you're just going, listen, I don't know what this guy's yeah. about, and I'm just going to increase my distance by just several miles. Oh. <laughs> this episode of Red Web is sponsored by The Jordan Harbinger Show. The Jordan Harbinger Show is a podcast you really should be listening to. And I know that every day someone's telling you you just have to listen to some podcast. And you nod, you say sure, and then you never do. Well, don't let that happen here. Jordan's show, which Apple named one of its best of 2018, is aimed at making you a better informed, more critical thinker so you can get a sense of how the world actually works and come to your own conclusions about what's happening even inside your own brain. Each episode is a conversation with a different fascinating guest, and when they say there's something for everyone, they really mean it. 
In one episode, Jordan talks to a hostage negotiator from the FBI who offers techniques on how to get people to trust and like you, which sounds useful and disturbing all at the same time. Another episode tells a story of a professional art forger who somehow made millions of dollars while being chased by both the feds and the mafia. Two episodes that I would recommend you checking out if you're a fan of Red Web would be Jordan's conversations on stealing history with Roger Atwood and the inside story of the ever-changing brain with David Eagleman. Both very fascinating topics, and if you like to search inside your brain as a theorist, I think you'll enjoy these episodes. Jordan's always focused on pulling useful, practical insights out of his brilliant guests. And they're not talking about pop psychology or wishy-washy self-help stuff here. The episodes are loaded with bits of wisdom that you can use to legitimately change your mind and improve your life right away. We enjoy the show and we think you will as well. So search The Jordan Harbinger Show, H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode of Red Web is sponsored by Shudder. Shudder is the streaming service with the best selection of horror, thriller, and supernatural movies, series, and originals, from Hollywood favorites and cult classics to original series and critically acclaimed new genre films that you won't find anywhere else, streaming uncut and commercial-free right to your favorite devices. Also, they now have a Golden Globe nominee. Shudder's La Llorona was recently nominated for the Best Foreign Language Feature Golden Globe this title, which also won Best Film at the 2019 Venice Film Festival, was an official selection to Sundance 2020. It blends together the terror of both myth and reality into a devastating expose of the genocidal atrocities against the Mayan communities in Guatemala. I highly recommend Shudder and I love their service because I am a huge fan of horror films and thriller films, way beyond that of the, the mystery realm that you know that I'm interested in. This app super complements what we do on this show. So if you love Red Web, I know that you're going to really enjoy the movies and films and shows that they have available on Shudder. They have exclusives like The Room and they also have classics uh, like John Carpenter's Halloween. Classic film, love to watch that one and they have a lot of uh, variety on their app to watch. So get started streaming the best horror, thriller, and supernatural content. Shudder's expertly curated collection includes must-see titles like Color Out of Space, Host, The Mortuary Collections, plus all the best horror documentaries. It also includes the hit Creepshow TV series, which comes from the executive producer, Greg Nicotero of The Walking Dead fame. To try Shudder free for 30 days, go to Shudder.com and use promo code REDWEB. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R dot com with promo code REDWEB, 30 days free. Go enjoy some movies, get a little bit scared with me, and enjoy. Now with that, let's dive back into the mystery. But now we have Dr. Melba Ketchum, a veterinarian lead scientist of the Sasquatch Genome Project. They published an article in 2012 claiming to have studied Bigfoot DNA. But many in the scientific community do not find her work to be peer-reviewed, which is incredibly important, obviously. Also, on top of that, the only journal that published this article was the De Novo Journal of Science, which only has one volume, one issue, and this one article. Which then doesn't really sound like a journal of science at all, it just sounds kind of like a fake journal that right. posted this. So, uh, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. Know about that one? Yeah, but in 2013, a year later, Ketchum requested that the species name for Bigfoot be called Homo sapiens cognatus. 
This name was accepted by the Zoo Bank, which is an organization that approves species names. Now, we talk about motive. To me, we've got a scientist here who can leave her stamp on the world. And who else gets to name creatures? It's a very rare occasion that you discover something <laughs> yeah. and name it. So the motive here is that you, you establish a scientific name for a creature that may or may not exist, but you are at least known for that. And you are now in the textbooks. And, and that's an accolade. Again, people could just be chasing, you know, chasing titles. Right. I mean, or chasing grants. Yeah. Like, it's worth understanding that a lot of these scientific communities operate purely on grants. And every few years, they have to apply for them again, if not annually. They have to write a paper. They have to report their findings, etc. And if they don't have findings, this is another motive, then they could be defunded, which means they're out of a job. They have to go elsewhere. So, you know, it, it's, it is worth taking it taking a look through that lens as well to, to really kind of pull yourself up out of the, the situation. Now, this leads us to our last kind of investigation, our last scientist, Grover Krantz, who was another notable anthropologist who studied Bigfoot ever since the late 1960s, when it was really kind of at its peak of notoriety and fame. He taught at Washington University for many years, studying many aspects of anthropology, and was the first person to describe the mastoid process. The mastoid process is essentially the site at which certain muscles in the head connect, which is very interesting. So I think they're also the muscles that when you have a headache, those are what are like kind of constricting and constraining and oh. uh, flexing. And that's, you know, kind of how a headache works. But anyway, Krantz also theorized in his research that Bigfoot are remnants of the extinct species of primates Gigantopithecus. After studying tracks found in the snow, Krantz found evidence of dermal ridges. Dermal ridges, very simply, are the ridges that you see on your fingers and toes. They're what give you fingerprints and footprints. They're the unique attributes we all have that we can identify people by, you know, whether it's a criminal database or just by, you know, I don't know. I don't really fingerprint people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's still pretty wild to me, like, that that's just like a natural thing that you yeah. have. <laughs> I mean, unless you're in the men in black and you melt those things off. That's true. Will Smith style. Down. That being said, if you had melted off fingerprints, I feel like they'd be like, this guy, did, the gun has a melted fingerprint. You have a melted finger. It's this guy. It's him. Yeah, <laughs> that's true, right? How often do people have melted fingerprints? Uh, adds up. No right. fingerprints at all. Should have partially melted it. <laughs> but that's interesting, though. I mean, dermal ridges are, are something that would be very difficult to emulate especially since they're unique to each creature, not just humans, but across all apes and primates, right? So if you find dermal ridges in these footprints and, and any sort of evidence around this creature, that means, assuming it's a hoax, that someone had to sit there and take time to create a mold or create these dermal prints, and you would have to create enough to keep it unique, so that way you don't have the same faux footprints all over the place, right? That, that can be... Yeah. Oh, that these are clone footprints. But also, so that's kind of lends itself to say like, hey, there, there might be something here. Why we haven't been able to see them on the grand scheme, why, why they're still eluding us, that is, you know, entirely the main, one of the main debates here, really. But the fact that there are dermal ridges is very, very interesting. But also, I have to wonder how you pull in fingerprints up out of mud. <sighs> right? How do, you, like, how do you even, look, there's some science behind that that, you know... I'm sure exists and I just know nothing of. Right. Pretty cool though, um, if you can. 
Right. Well, he brought these prints to Dutch professor A.G. DeWild of the University of Groningen. DeWild said that these tracks were, quote, not from some dead object with ridges in it, but came from a living object able to spread its toes, end quote. So now we have yet another professional in this realm looking at these footprints and saying, hey, there's there's definitely more to this being than just a static print in the ground, like a fake would be, right? Like a stamp in the dirt. This The, the, the fact that the toes articulate, that there's movement in, in the footprint, it's interesting to say the least, but it's really the most substantial evidence we have. And we already just, we've already covered a story that also had provedly fake footprints. So it's like even the best uh, evidence we have is super up to debate, you know? Yeah. I think the interesting thing um, that we see every once in a while is just like all these reputable, um, you know, prof professionals and whatnot, just throwing their name into it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's your reputation on the line, too. That, like, that's oof. true. Yeah, I, I don't know. Because you got to think like your your colleagues probably won't take you seriously. Well, what if they already don't take you seriously? Hey, You're the yeah, professor that skates around the campus. You got the long flowing hair and the bandana. You know the one. And then you skate into <laughs> class, you skate down the stairs, you kind of beef it a little bit, but you get up, you brush it off, you act like you're still 20. Yeah. And you're like, I'm I'm the cool teacher, but only like in your head. Right. No, only in their head. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I, I don't know. You know, if I was a professor. I'd be like, ooh, man. I don't know anonymous. If I really wanna... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know if I want to throw my name behind this one. Yeah. It's interesting, though, man. It's like. If something came my way and I was genuinely like compelled by, if I only focused in on what was given to me, you know, you, you can't really take it out of context. You can't say, well, this professor's absolutely agreeing. This professor's saying, absolutely, this is Bigfoot. The professor's just looking at what's in front of them and saying simply, well, whatever this is, it has the ability to spread its toes. And that's as far as my professional opinion will take me. I'm not going to make any jumps to conclusion. So, you know, sometimes these quotes can also be leveraged out of context. It, it's it's really all dependent on, on like, I, I, you know, I can't just look at a quote and go from there, you know? Yeah, yeah. I feel you on that one. But I think, you know, I think you and I both stand uh, on a certain stance, and I think we're broadcasting that pretty strongly. But regardless, I do want to dive into the the theories and, and take these positions and try to look through, through different lens at this situation, because there's a couple other pieces here that are worth exploring. But the leading theory is that Bigfoot is simply a hoax. Oh, yeah. Right. And that, I mean, stands to, to reason, right? There's, there's not a whole lot of credible evidence. Most notably, there's no body and there's no way to conclusively prove the existence of a Bigfoot without a Bigfoot, right? It needs, you know, it just needs something more. Yeah. Something more. Right. Anything. And there's so many hoaxes and there's so many, like, like you said, muddy in the waters and, and, and things that just kind of build up the momentum in the past that lead up to today's hype or today's belief in it. But then when we look back, we go, we know that some of those key pieces you lean on are actually hoaxes. And that's worth noting. But many people believe that that this is a different animal entirely. That's typically bears that are the origin of these sightings. And that makes sense. You know, if you look at a, a bear, they, they tend to be quite large, especially if they stand up on their hind legs, which they do if they're feeling threatened or if they're trying to impose. Uh, they can be quite tall. See, that for sure. Uh, the video footage that we watched, that's like, that's a person in a suit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, 
I kind of want to look at it again and, and really analyze that muscle movement that he was talking about. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it's really hard to not see that's a dude in a suit for sure. Just or like someone really, in a suit. Like kind of, you know, hunched over and just doing the, doing this, the walk. Mm-hmm. Not camera shy. Camera no. aware, in fact. Really, like, yeah, really like, eyeballing Oh, hey, camera. camera. <laughs> All right. Later, camera. Yeah. Very unlike a species that seems as elusive as this one, right? But on the note of the bears, let's dive into that a little bit. In 2009, J.D. Lozier and a group of people, actually, published an article in the Journal of Biogeography showing that many of the locations where Bigfoot is seen match locations of black bear populations. So boom, we already have a strong there we go, there we go. You know, correlation here. A black bear standing on two legs would look very similar to how some people have described a Bigfoot, and some Bigfoot sightings have actually been found out to be bears with mange, causing them to lose some of their hair, and maybe giving them a bit of a different look that could misconstrue when someone was looking back and trying to explain what they were seeing. But also, like, we, we recounted a story just recently about the, the, the woman and her children, and, and she thought it was a bear, right? And then later on, maybe thought it was something else, but, you know, so... It stands to reason that perhaps we've got some bears on our hands. And, and maybe bears are, maybe, maybe the real mystery is, how are bears so smart? <laughs> yeah, the, the real <laughs> mystery is, what's up with these bears? Maybe, maybe these are the Berenstein Bears, you know, like, <laughs> kicking it. But in a second study on the previously mentioned study, by the way, the one with the 30 hairs where two were unidentified and the, and the rest, the 28 were uh, different creatures. That's so ridiculous. Like, what do you think that no one's going to figure that out? You yeah, know, what if we just throw a bunch of different animal hairs together. Right. Yeah, it'll confuse them. Throw them for a loop. Right. If they were collected <laughs> in the woods, you know, maybe maybe these people are like they just have that blind belief in their in their evidence. They're like, wow, this fits everything I've personally come to know about the Bigfoot, and they're so confident in that that they're willing to bequeath it to a lab, and the lab is definitely going to dive in there and figure it out. But like, hey, if you if you're a true believer and you got that evidence. Props to you for trying to find it out, you know? Oh, no, for sure. But, but yeah, I mean, otherwise, like, if you're trying to prank somebody, they're going to get to the bottom of this. This is science, my yeah. friend. But what it turns out that the two hairs that were unidentified found out uh, in this second study, they were found to belong to a rare type of bear. So bears are back on the menu. I mean, they never really left, but like, we've, we've got bear, bear, bear. Hey, man, I'm telling you. Let's get down to, let's investigate the bears. Ah, uh, from a textbook, perhaps. <laughs> I ain't, I'm not getting close, no. <laughs> oh, so now we found something you don't want to get close to. Listen, I'll go goofing for Bigfoot. I'm not going to go goofing for a bear. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. Listen, bears are real, and they will mess you up. I, I guess that's that's my personal delineation. You know, if I don't have the, like, if my brain hasn't crossed over to the realm of, like, that thing is physically there then i can kind of goof on it and be like let's go investigate yeah, you're like all right let's go check it out but you're probably a bit smarter where you go i don't know there's odds enough that that's yeah. real and i don't want to mess with it and i and i respect that i'm the one that's going to get off to, at the beginning of the movie for sticking their head up in the dark <laughs> attic you know like that's what's going to happen like oh what's that it's right. a loud noise Loud bang in the attic? Oh, I'll go, I'll go check let it me out. leave the lighter down here as I go clamoring up. <laughs> yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> so yeah, it's, it, it's very likely that bears are at the center of a lot of what's going on here. But kind of as we touched on at the very beginning, 
you know, let's just really back ourselves back out to reality for a second. These, these are large creatures. This is a prolific species that we're seeing worldwide. We're apparently seeing them in every state. And if you take that for face value, you know, you, you have to think like, where is this thing living? And if it's existing somewhere in the woods or whatever, you would see the impact on the the ecosystem, right? The food that they're eating would have to be right. plant life or creatures or whatever. And you would see that there, there would be a measurable impact. And, you know, scientists would be like, I don't know, the deer population just plummeted. I don't really know what's going on. It's just like, oh, are they just cleaning up that well? Maybe. I mean, and but like, but even if they cleaned up well, even if they were able to hide their tracks and hide any evidence of them, you know, the amount of food to substantiate such a large creature. I mean, you think of the impact that humans have had. If you had a, even if you had a thousand humans spread across, True. you know, a certain, you know, the Pacific Northwest, there's going to be an impact, ecologically speaking, if not, you know, to the ecosystem, to, I don't know, you know, because like these are all things that are studied and measured. You know, we want to make sure that our, that our nature is preserved, that the, right. you know, that the populations of various species are maintained and you would... Certainly not. But but hey, maybe these creatures have been around so long that their impact is just kind of baked in and we just don't know it. I don't know. Man, that'd be something, right? Yeah. They're just like, oh, no, this is the population of said creature. And really, it's actually higher. Yeah. But kind of moving on with the hoax narrative, you know, it is worth noting, and I mentioned it before, most apes tend to be diurnal or they're awake during the day and they're asleep at night. And with most sightings from Bigfoot being at night, that kind of seems counterintuitive to this being an actual ape creature or, or some sort of ape-like creature. So that either means we're off base with attributing it to being like of the primate family, or it means that, you know, it, it's probably not what we're, not what we're seeing, you know? Yeah, dude, I'm telling you, man, it's these bears. It Especially because, like, it lines up with the whole, like, oh, all these sightings are where there's black bears. I think that's, right. like, a big tell for me. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's, like, the most substantial piece of evidence that I can really hang my hat on out of everything thus far. Mm -hmm. But in closing of this being a hoax, it is worth noting that an overwhelming majority of the scientific community does not consider Bigfoot worth studying. However, it doesn't change the fact that thousands and thousands of stories, firsthand encounters sightings some some footprints some video like all of this exists and it exists across the world it and so you know some believe that regardless of what the science community is saying that there's something there in fact john napier who is the author of bigfoot the yeti and sasquatch in myth and reality said this quote i'm convinced that sasquatch exists but whether it is all it's cracked up to be is another matter altogether there must be something in Northwest America that needs explaining, and that something leaves man-like footprints, end quote. Basically saying, regardless of, you know, uh, if we're on the right track or not, if this is in fact a Bigfoot, that doesn't matter. What matters is that there's clearly something. Something is messing with us. Something is leaving man-like footprints. Something exists that needs to be explained. And I would say that the simplest explanation is that people are to blame. Yeah. That this is just a hoax, but... Yeah, I was about to say people. People's explanation. Yeah. Who leaves man-like footprints if not a man? <laughs> yeah. Or people-like so, footprints. There's these man-like footprints. Um, what's a man? <laughs> right. Oh, my God. These footprints look just like a person's. You look 10 <laughs> feet away and there's a person going, huh? <laughs> oh, well, there's said person. 
But with that said, let's dive into the next theory that this, you know, is an extinct hominid of some kind or a gigantopithecus to be specific. But many who believe in Bigfoot do in fact believe that this is an ancient relative to the human species. Because before Homo sapiens, there were many other competing species, much like Neanderthal or Homo erectus. And some anthropologists believe that Bigfoot could be a Paranthropus robustus, which had a crested skull and walked on two legs. So Grover Krantz and many people who believe in Bigfoot think that it could be, in fact, Gigantopithecus to be specific, or at least something closely related to that. I don't think we've found every potential missing link, as it were, but uh, this would be the nearest relative or the nearest example that we have evidence of because it's the biggest ape that ever existed that we know of it's similar to an ape or a gorilla and the lone fossil of its jaw was found in asia and this could explain the yeti but also potentially could explain bigfoot if the bigfoot population crossed the bering land bridge to the americas as we Look at the human history, that's kind of one of the leading theories for human civilizations spread. They say that it came through, you know, where Siberia connects to Alaska, and then they came through there. So that would kind of fit the bill for saying, all right, well, if this population of Gigantopithecus was up there in Asia, they could have migrated to the Himalayas and also across to the Americas. And that is why they're in the two popular locations that they are. I mean, do I believe like the whole like missing link and stuff like that? I mean, like, yeah, yeah, for sure. There's a, you know, there's a bunch of like evidence, fossil and records, and fossil stuff. records, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Do I believe that they're still existing to this day? No, I mean, that, even, even that's if they, tough. Yeah, that's tough. Like, even if they did, it's like okay, so they evolved to the point where they can outsmart, you know, modern day humans with the technology that they that we have today. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's a stretch. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, though. I mean, like, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I at least admire the fact that they're trying to dig into concrete evidence, right? Like, they're trying to build a, a story out of actual evidence. And to that, I'm like, okay, you're, you're trying to really substantiate this. But it also feels very much like someone trying to prove their theory rather than just finding the answer by way of research, you know? You're trying to say, all right, how can we make the Bigfoot exist? Well, maybe they, it was this. Rather than saying, hey, we analyzed fossil records and migration patterns and discovered that the Bigfoot could exist, right? It's kind of backwards as far as the scientific process is concerned. But Right, exactly. It's like instead of taking like, instead of starting from something that's like, <laughs> you know, like evidence and actual like hard proof and, and then trying to expand from there, it's like, you know, I believe this exists and like, let's go out looking for it. Let's force the evidence. Right, right. Well, on top of that, too, the single fossil that exists of Gigantopithecus, as I mentioned, was its jawbone. So how much can you really say from that? We don't know if this particular species walked on two legs, but it's also now thought that Gigantopithecus is more closely related to orangutans, which would completely change the body language, the way it moves, the way it uh, would interact with his environment, it would completely change it from what we know of as the Bigfoot story. It, it just would be a different creature. Oh, yeah, like altogether, for sure. Yeah, and, and maybe, and I don't know, I kind of joke, but also kind of real, like maybe this could have been a Neanderthal or Homo erectus that just had a bomb jaw, you know, just like a really healthy jawline. And I mean, like big jaw. 
for its species. <laughs> and, and if we're only finding this, can you how how accurately can you extrapolate the rest of the creature? Now, this is without me diving into the fossil records and figuring out what this jaw looked like or why they believe it's something else. Like, there could be real evidence behind that. It's just, I don't know, it's really hard to say a lot that this is a new creature specifically from one one fossil record, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just never know, like, if it just happens to be, like, it kind of maybe like a weird mutation or just, mm-hmm. it's just something just that was off. You know what I'm thinking? Something different. I'm thinking Bigfoot is Gigantopithecus, and Gigantopithecus is the master of hide-and-seek. Like, <laughs> this creature, even to this day, looking back into the fossil records, we've only found a jawbone, son. We haven't seen this thing to modern day. Like, yeah. where's this thing at? This just, you know, a pro hide-and-seek uh, <laughs> creature. Like, like, ancient man and ancient Gigantopithecus met on a Sunday evening, you know, the sun is, is setting in the, in the horizon and they step up to each other, two different clans, two different species. And they say, let the games begin. (laughs) And one, one side immediately runs into the wild to go hide. And then the humans count to whatever they counted to Uh, fire. I don't know. (laughs) Big old five forgot and then moved on. Yeah. They, they counted to five for the number of fingers that they had on one hand. And, And then they, and then, and then they went searching and for millennia, we've been searching. And as soon as we find them, the tables turn. We, we have to hide. And they take over our homes and stuff. I don't like that. I don't like that no? at all. Let's not Why? find them. Let's not find maybe, them. Maybe they have a better hiding spot than you have of office. Maybe Ooh. their computer in their, like, I don't know where they're living. Maybe they got an underground bunker, really cool looking. Maybe they got, like, I don't know, 4080s. GTX 4080s. 40, yeah. One generation ahead of yep, everything Yup, just that we one. Have. Just one. And, and we reverse engineer them. Hmm? You ever think of that? You've gone off the rails. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Back on the rails. <laughs> I thought this would be a shorter episode. I'm happily, uh, I'm happily incorrect. So extrapolating from the Gigantopithecus thing, others in the industry do kind of theorize that perhaps Bigfoot is more closely related to us than even Gigantopithecus was. Dr. Ketchum and psychologist-turned-Bigfoot enthusiast Dr. Matthew Johnson believe they are the aforementioned term coined by Ketchum. So she's doubling down on her, her label here, Homo sapiens cognatus, that it's a, a new species that is very related to humans, much more closely related than Neanderthal or Homo erectus. And for what it's worth, cognatus means related by blood. And they refer to them as the forest people because they are so close to humans and that they tend to live in forested areas. Dr. Johnson claims that some of the hairs that he's gotten tested came back with partial human DNA. Remember, I did say one of the hairs found was uh, noted as human. However, the results apparently read partial human DNA and partial unknown DNA. So there is room in here to say, maybe this is just a very, very close relative. You know, that that missing link, as it were. Uh, I don't know. And I don't know, it's probably a good chance of it just being contaminated. Very, very good chance. That's a good Well handled, you know. Right, someone sneezed on it. I mean, but this is this is where like one of the first pieces of like counterpoint comes up and whether you believe it or not, that's totally fine. But it is compelling to, to say the least, like and I, and I want to make sure that we explore both sides. Like if this were true, right, if this theory of Homo sapiens cognatus is correct, that the DNA was uncontaminated, right, that it was wholesome yep, yep. and that it came through with all this, whatever, it would explain 
why Bigfoot might have a higher intelligence, and it would explain, perhaps, why Bigfoot would be able to evade human contact and perhaps hide their traces. It could also explain that maybe they had a belief system, much like humans have had for, for many, many, many years, like thousands and thousands of years, as long as we've known. And that within those belief systems, whatever they might be, that it involves ceremonies like burying the dead. And, and that would be perhaps why we haven't been able to find evidence of Bigfoot, because we're not really excavating for fossils in that area, but maybe we are. I, I don't know. Man. I... It doesn't necessarily explain exactly why we haven't found them, but right. it is interesting and it is a more well-rounded counterpoint for sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I feel like we're, you know, humanity's cutting down forests left and right. Mm-hmm. How can you really account for, uh, you know, humans? not chopping down where uh, you're burying your dead. Right. Now, eventually, a body, right? Some bones Something. would probably be found. But man, I'll, I'll eat my words if I'm 65 and, right? uh, and the first traces are officially found. I'll be like, dude. Big old grave. How did you hide this long? And why? I'm like, damn, touche. Right. You know? Hey, good one. <laughs> really good at that hide and seek. Trevor was right. <laughs> but that does kind of lead into the next major theory. Uh, and this is honestly a theory that I hadn't really heard much about until this moment. But with the scientific community primarily refusing to even consider the idea of Bigfoot, some have started to theorize that there is a conspiracy going on, something involving this creature. For example, that the government could be covering up the fact that Bigfoot exists. Now we're starting to hit those really similar notes uh, uh, that the government that the government knows all and that the government hides some and you got to start asking yourself why but some believe that if it were widely known that these beings existed the areas that they lived in would be given environmental protections which would ultimately affect the economy of the logging and hunting industries which to that i say wrong i don't think so yeah uh, right. we are tearing like you said we're tearing down forests left and right burning the place down you would think that the government would say, ah, protected land, there's a protected species here. But like, come on, in our lifetimes, how many species have gone extinct? Just in our yeah. lifetimes. So a ton. Uh, let's be real. This isn't like a butterfly. This isn't, you know, and I'm not trying to like judge creatures next to each other. But I mean, there is something to be said about this being so humanoid. So if it were, right. if it were real, I feel like the government shouldn't be covering that up unless there's something else going on. And they do kind of within this theory have an interesting counterpoint that's worth kind of thinking about, but just how do you cover that up? How exactly? That's, that's a lot to cover up, but yeah. you know, on top of this, and, and again, it's very reminiscent of many alien theories, but some, some others theorize that, you know, the real reason that there's a cover up isn't necessarily the economic impact or, or anything like that, but that it's something that would completely alter society, that it's unknown exactly what it could be. And I was kind of joking about it before, um, but that perhaps, and, and this is me extrapolating, that perhaps they are wiser than we know, that they're more intelligent than we know, that they do in fact have society and technology or whatever, and that by finding out about them, it would bring everything we know about humanity crashing down because it would be too big of a shift to our history knowledge. It would be too big of a shift to our self-awareness or to our technical know-how. I don't know. That's interesting. I mean, at least there's a compelling point. You yeah, know? it's an interesting theory. That would be some, that'd be something. Yeah. But the problem with that is that it's so open-ended. It, it really, like, if, ands, and buts, you know, like, 
Yeah, I don't know, man. That's a, I mean, it's just a rough one to believe. I, I think it's, this was so interesting, though, because, like, it's like I know of Bigfoot, and I would say, like, oh, you know, you see him through cinema for, for, for years and years and years, and then just going, oh, there, there isn't too much. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it it's it's nice to hear arguments that are at least... I don't know. I don't know how I, I'm trying to compliment this position because like because I, I obviously don't tend to agree, but I don't write this off entirely because it at least makes sound sense from where they're from where that position's coming from. And there is some some evidence, as it were, to kind of substantiate this side. Right. So in 1980, Mount St. Helens erupted. Many onlookers watching what was going on witnessed government helicopters carrying away what looked like charred human-like remains, and many people believe that these might have been bodies of Bigfoot that they were trying to hide, okay? Again, very limited in the way of evidence, but it, but if you take the stance of this being a cover-up, of course there is. Yeah, I mean, that sounds interesting as hell, though. Mm-hmm. Um, look, whether or not that's real, which I don't believe it is, that's creative. Uh, very. That sounds like, you know what I mean? Like, I want to know more about that story. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I hadn't heard about that, nor this one in 1999. So about 19 years later, uh, a witness, again, we have another witness, but that's as best as we can get if it's a cover-up, claimed to see an injured Bigfoot after fires in Battle Mountain, Nevada. And uh, government officials soon swept the area and removed, either mo- removed the Bigfoot or removed the body soon after. And so no evidence could be captured. No proof could be claimed. And that's all we have there. But again, that's another piece that I just hadn't heard about. It's interesting, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's just funny that the, the whole government conspiracy thing comes into play. Mm-hmm. And it, it always kind of sneaks in there with these unsolved mysteries. And the last point kind of in this realm, before we kind of close with a handful of smaller theories, as we like to touch on, is is that some people are really interested in this point and and i and i do have to take it with a grain of salt you know the government has acknowledged the possible existence of bigfoot at least once now i don't necessarily think the government as an entity outright came forward and said yes uh we are looking into the possible existence um that said the government's always going to look into things they, they've studied ufo phenomena they studied paranormal phenomena like it is incumbent upon a leadership entity or a scientific community to look into these things. I don't think that that necessarily translates to existence or truth, uh, but a lot of people do hang their hat on that point. In fact, Jay Cochran Jr., who was an assistant director of the FBI's laboratory division, was one of the folks who tested some Bigfoot hairs. He tested 15 supposed Bigfoot hairs that were all sent to them, and he found that most of these were actually from deer. So, you know, yes, you can say the government has acknowledged the possible existence, but can you say that the government has, like, really? I, yeah. You know, if no. they're saying, like, these are deer hairs, kind of like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. 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 But then again, there's those those people will be like, oh, it's a conspiracy. They're covering it up. That's true. I mean, and that's exactly it. And uh, it's it all comes down to confirmation bias. It all comes down to what you want to believe. Cynicism. You know, all these things are, are important attributes that kind of tend to guide how we think but uh let's touch on a couple smaller theories before we close and i bet you can guess one and maybe you know what i'll see if you can guess it what do you Uh, think that the this first or one of these small theories is gonna be god that they're aliens boom (laughs) some theorize that bigfoot are aliens visiting earth or okay hold on now take this more seriously 
Okay, that was really facetious. <laughs> or that they're aliens that escaped from Area 51. Now, the real reason I'm not really subscribing to this is because if they're aliens, the odds of them evolving in a very hyper-similar way to the way we've evolved is slim to none. I'm just putting that out there. Yeah, what are the chances? The chances are very slim. But that's it, you know? I mean, it's always an option. It's always an option. Explain the unexplained with more unexplained. And I, you know, I, uh, that's all we got on that one. Uh, some believe that, now this one, now this is one another one of those counterpoints that I'm not saying is like really convincing, but does go uh, the extra step to try to really address the actual issues, right? So this next one says that Bigfoot might be a metaphysical being or beings. As silly as that might sound, you know, there could just be one Bigfoot, much like Mothman, that appears to be some sort of message or a warning, right? Mothman appeared before tragedies and whether he was the harbinger of incident or the harbinger or, or, or the messenger of warning, I don't know. But there's certainly a lot of other cryptids in the world that are one-offs. And this theory proposes to claim why this entity is so evasive, why there's so little physical evidence, why we can't capture them on film, really. Basically, it, it goes out of its way to try to answer all the questions that we've been saying why to thus far. And it's hard to write off, too, because we don't know. We don't know about, like, fourth dimensional beings or anything like that. But, like, I mean, also, like, you know, the Amazon, you know, kind of take a step back a little bit. We, we find different uh, you know, discovery species, species all, yeah, yeah. All, all the time yeah so like i the the interesting thing is that i always i always thought that you know bigfoot was just like all right it's just one they're just the one bigfoot yeah and going into this that's what i thought but it really quickly dove into like it's a species that exists and i was like oh well, that's hard to like subscribe to but also at the same time i was like if you're telling me there was one then you, mm -hmm. you could maybe have me there a little bit you know right like, how did, it, how did it not get seen until now when there's only one? Right. Why is it evasive? How did it live this long? Is it still alive? Like, all these questions on how it got here. But, I don't know, this one this one's interesting. I, I, I wouldn't necessarily subscribe to it, you know, but I do appreciate some of these other more kind of niche theories that attempt to resolve the major questions. Mm -hmm. And the last one here kind of pairs in well with that one, but, and I, I think I might have joked about this earlier, but... It states that perhaps Bigfoot could be some sort of time traveler or interdimensional being of some of some sort. You know, this would again explain some of those whys that we've been having, but why they could evade being on camera, why they would be seen all over the world without leaving much evidence behind. Perhaps they're cavemen visiting our time or perhaps they're ancient humans traveling back to our time. Maybe they're collecting saplings from our forests and then teleporting back to the future to 2158 where the, all the forests are gone. I, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's, I like, I like the story. Yeah. Yeah. I just I made mean, it I up though. I'd watch a sci-fi film about that. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, you not? would, you would. I would, I would. All right. I'll write it. I'll write it. <laughs> Red web writes, you know, Red web presents yeah. Bigfoot of the future. <laughs> He gets trapped back in time and he has to live like it's an episode of Survivor. And he keeps, you know, humans keep pestering him. He's trying to find his way back home. I'd be so impressed. So impressed. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone was to fund that. 
But I don't know, you know, like that's that's kind of what we got on Bigfoot. You know, there's it, 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 the frustrating thing to me is no matter how how long of a docu series you watch, how long of a podcast you listen to, like this one, like the very frustrating thing is how limited the physical evidence is. And yeah. you know, I feel like every time the subject comes up, it's always deeply fascinating to me. I always crave to know more, but the like the the pool of knowledge for this topic is is truly so limited. But part of me, I feel like 10% of me just wants, just wants to believe in this. And I feel like a lot of people do because there's something so deeply fascinating about finding the unknown right next door, you know, right, right there. And it really kind of opens up the doors for, well, what do we really know? What else could be different? Mm-hmm. It, it really kind of shakes up the, the known boring world and really, you know, gets you wondering. But, but yeah, that's, that's what we have on Bigfoot. I think, I think the big thing for me is I, I, definitely would have you know um kind of like leaned towards believing some things more if it was just like oh it's just one you know it's just the one bigfoot it's just very interesting the people that are just like you know bigfoot's real um but there's a ton of them and it's just like well all right well you kind of made your point hard to get behind that's true you know like on one hand it's very hard to kind of conceptualize of a lone species that's still alive now, right? Like the Loch Ness Monster or anything mm-hmm. like that. Like that is ingrained in actual known history. Like there's a creature like this that is living today, but it's alone. Like how is it living that long? I guess is a very valid question. And so to answer it, they say, well, it must be a species. And to your point, you go, well, then where the heck is it? There yeah. must be at least a handful <laughs> of them to keep them viable and alive. You, you would have to kind of notify, see it. But I think that's what makes this uh, just a fascinating topic in general. Regardless of how you subscribe, I'm sure, you know, there's many people that fall on both sides of believing or not for, for Bigfoot. But regardless, I find cryptids to be deeply fascinating, if not on this, like the sociological level, right? Understanding why people believe in these things or why, why do we seek the unknown or why do we want Bigfoot to exist? Uh, you know, it seems like that's a really fascinating question. I think for me, this kind of just kind of i don't know put something to rest that i didn't really realize because you know through cinema media all that kind of stuff you get that's how you know bigfoot that's how a lot of people know bigfoot Mm -hmm. and that's not gonna go away there'll be more films or tv shows or social posts or whatever that reference bigfoot or you know pull things dry from the bigfoot tale so right to actually know the backstory whether or not it was just like oh this was this was enough for me to believe in or I just, you know, couldn't get behind. Um, there was enough evidence or whatnot. It's cool to know the actual, like, I don't know, kind of where it kind of came from and yeah, and and the story of it all. Yeah, you're right. I mean, pop culture really extends the, the myth of Bigfoot. So if we really kind of constrict it back in on itself, kind of like to the core of what Bigfoot is, it's it's kind of fascinating, but also frustratingly limited. But hey, I mean, you, you bring up a good point too. Like, there's your new motive: uh, selling material, books, movies, whatever. It also is your mo for for a cover up, right? Like, maybe we want to keep selling films, so it's a huge Hollywood cover up. This Bigfoot, maybe he's maybe he's an agent and he's selling the rights to his life. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. 
But honestly, I would love to hear everyone listening. I would love to hear your thoughts on Bigfoot and cryptids again. Like I said at the beginning, I know you guys all really resonated with the Mothman episode, but you can head to roosterteeth.com and find Red Web there where we do have a comment section. You can also hit us up on uh, social media at Twitter at Red Web Pod or on iTunes where you can leave reviews and, uh, and we really appreciate that. Otherwise, we'll see you guys next Monday for another mystery. Later. Later.